When you go on vacation, who in here, be honest, would say that you are the heavy packer in, in the family? When it comes to the luggage, and, and you can point, it's okay, you know, okay. Who's the heavy packer, all right? Who is the procrastinating packer? I mean, last minute, like, the plane's about ready to leave and you're still packing stuff, you're buying stuff at the store. Okay, all right. Um, who in here, you don't have to be ashamed, but it's the shoes. You, you got to bring all of the shoes. You have the dress shoes, you have tennis shoes, you have the flip-flops, and then it's the colors, the colors of shoes that have to match the outfits, and that takes up most of the space, okay? Well, today, as we continue our series of putting on the body armor of God, I got good news for everybody. You get new shoes today. We are going to be talking about the shoes of Peace. I wish I really had some, some awesome shoes to give everyone today. Maybe if we get a, a bigger budget, we'll do that someday. But we get, we get it even better than physical shoes, shoes of peace. We're going to dive in that today. Um, if you have your Bible, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 is where we're going to start. It will be on your screen. It will also be in the Bible app. If you have the Bible app, you can click on the More button, go to Events, and right here, right now, you will, you'll, you'll see a live event for Freedom Church. It will have the sermon notes on there as well. That's in the Bible app. You can click on More, click on Events, and it, will, it should just pop up. So, verse 10, Ephesians chapter 6. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. He says the final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. Therefore... Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground. Putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness, which we talked about last week. It all starts with truth. What is your foundation for truth? And we talked about the fact that truth is not a what. Truth is a who. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want to know what truth is, you look no further than Jesus, than Jesus to be your foundation for truth. And then you go and you live it out by putting on the body of righteous. Today we're going to focus on 15. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared in this battle. In addition to all these, Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then he wraps it all up. He says, pray. And we talked about this in week one. Prayer is the way you fight a spiritual battle. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. It is not physical. It is not financial. It is spiritual. How do you fight, how do you fight a spiritual battle? You fight it with prayer. All of these will be activated through prayer. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. We are in a battle. Whether you want to engage in it or not, there is a battle coming at you. And for a lot of us, we've, we've talked about how um, Satan will, will use strategies. And he wants to, he wants to make you unaware. He would love for you to just stay unaware that, that you are even in a spiritual battle. That you don't even, you just look at the physical, like as long as your spouse is the enemy, 
He's, he's got you. As long as your kids are the enemy or, or, or kids, as long as your, your parents are the enemy and you're fighting flesh and blood battles, he's got you where you want. He would love for you to be unaware that there's something deeper going on underneath that every battle that you face, relational, mental, financial, it goes on and on, is a spiritual battle underneath. He cannot, he cannot in this battle keep you from, vic- from victory. Victory is yours. But his main goal, if he can't keep you from ultimate victory, he knows his time is up. He wants you to keep, keep you from living in victory right now. And this is what this whole passage of Scripture is about, is that you can have victory today. You don't have to wait till eternity. That God has given you victory today. You put on this armor and you can live it now. The battle's still going to come, but you can engage and you can win. In fact, Jesus said this. I hate this verse. I wish I could tear this verse out of Scripture. I wish it was not there. I do not like it. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. I like that. This is what I hate. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. Because I have overcome the world. Physical, on the physical flesh and blood, guess what? You are going to have trials and sorrows. Welcome to Freedom Church. I'm glad you're here. You're going to have a lot of trials and sorrows. That's just the truth. That's life. But we serve someone, our God, our Father, Jesus Christ, who who has defeated the physical and has helped us to conquer the spiritual. He never said, he had never promised that this life will be easy. Nowhere in Scripture you won't find it. Oh, you're a Christian and everything's going to be great and glorious and grand and, you know, rainbows and unicorns. No. He never promised that. In fact, quite the opposite. You will have many trials and sorrows. Where are we going to get attacked in this? Where, where is our peace? Um, uh, why do we have this lack of peace? Why do we have these trials? One is sin. From the beginning, we, it, it just sin has put a curse on the world. And you see it. All you got to do is just flip on the news and you see uh, uh, the curse of sin since the beginning of time and it's rampant. So sometimes we have trials and things going on just because sin reigns on earth. Another one could be another reason we face trials. It could actually be from God. That God who loves you who wants you to be more like him, may, may, he, he may want to get you out of your comfort zone. And so it's actually a good thing. He, he may actually uh, prod you and, and poke you and, and allow discomfort in your life to actually grow your character and make you better. So sometimes it actually comes from God. In fact, you might have to go through a storm in order to see who Jesus is more clearly. Look at Mark chapter 4. The guys are going through a storm. Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? Why would you, Jesus, wake up. He's asleep. And at the end of that, at the end of that, what? They're like, who is this man? They see him more clearly. He may allow, God may allow you to go through a test. He may allow you to go through a trial. Another reason we face trials in our life, we're dumb. God gave you free will. He gave me uh, free will. And, and, and we make some pretty dumb mistakes sometimes. And I just know for me, I mean, just the list. I have a list. Anyone a list person? You got post-it notes? Or, it never gets done, right? It never gets done. You, get, you put me in a car, and I start driving, and my peace is, like, gone. I'm, like, ready to take a bazooka to somebody and, and put it on Instagram story and be like, yeah, look at that, you know. 
we, we, we can do some dumb things in our lives that just disrupt our peace. And it's not Satan attacking us. It's not God testing us. It's just it's our own, it's our own fault. And then make no, make no doubt about it. Satan wants to attack. That's one of his, his areas of, of trying to get you out of victory is to attack, to disrupt your peace. In fact, um, he did this in, in Job. This is just one example. Job chapter 1. I don't know if you know the story of, of Job. But, I mean, basically, Satan wants to come in and attack. He's having this conversation with God in chapter 1. And, and God's like, have you seen my servant Job? And Satan goes, yeah, I've seen him. And you've protected him. You've blessed him. Of course he's going to serve you because you've given him everything. And then Satan says this in, in, in verse 11. He says, but reach out. And take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Disrupt his peace. Insert conflict. Insert tension. Take away comfort, and he will curse you to your face. You see that the enemy, he wants to attack your peace. He wants to steal your peace. In fact, it says the the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob you of your peace. So we talked about different strategies. He wants to make you unaware. He wants you unaware of this spiritual battle is one strategy. Another strategy is what we talked about last week. He, will, he, will, he loves to deceive. And we call that true-ish. Where things in our life, they look true, they feel true, they sound true. But what? There's an ish to it. Like here's God's path. And Satan, he's not wanting to to tempt you with something that's a complete 180 from God's direction for your life because that's so obvious. You're like, that's obviously wrong. He wants something that's true-ish, one degree off, one one degree of separation that can create an internal gap between you and God's direction for your life. Deception, he likes it true-ish. And another one is he will try to disrupt your peace, insert conflict into our lives. He'll, He'll mess with your mind. He can't possess you, but he'll attack your mind. He'll want that anxiety. He'll want to crush your dreams. He'll attack your heart, your will, your passion. He, he wants you so discontent and so discouraged in your heart that you lose the will to keep fighting. He'll go after your body. You see repeatedly in Scripture where Jesus is healing people physically, where he will just attack you physically, illnesses, and he will come after your relationships. If he can get you in your relationships where there's division, drama, you have a quick temper, you lose your patience or where you just withdraw and you're not engaged, where, where he can get you into relationships to where you're so bitter and full of resentment where the emotional walls come up and no one's coming in or out. He loves to attack your mind, your heart, your body, your relationships. He wants those little things those little things to be explode into big things. Uh, when school was here, when school was, was going on, I would drive Jeremiah to school. And what amazed me was school starts at 8.20. If we were coming to school at 8.10 in the morning, people are just cruising in, relaxing. We're like high-fiving each other, singing songs. Everybody's happy, 8.10 in the morning. 8.15? Five minutes later, five minutes before school starts, if you pull into the parking lot at 8.15, you had better not 
be even on the sidewalk. Like people are like, my kid is not going to be late to school. We are getting in. Get your butt in here and let's go. I mean, it is like a difference of five minutes and it's like peace and rage between there. He wants those little things to become big things. What I had to learn was, hey, guess what? He's still going He's still going to get to school a hard time. Even if he's late, we're all right. But then, it's not just the little things. Because he'll nail you with the big things too. The D word comes up in your marriage. Or that divorce that you just you didn't see it coming. Or, or that unexpected tragedy that came in a hit. And he wants to knock you off your feet. The little things become big and the big things sweep your legs right out from underneath you. He wants to drain your confidence. He wants to, to, to rob you of your peace. Why? So you'll be stuck. So you'll be distracted and focused off of the spiritual side of things. He wants you, he wants to get to a point, take everything away they have. So they will turn on you, God, and curse you to your face. That's the enemy's goal. And he will take away your peace. If, if you are here today and you are hurting, if you are here today and peace seems to be so elusive, something in the future, I am glad, I'm glad you're here. And we may not change the situation, peace, the, the peaceful circumstance um, or unpeaceful circumstance may still be there when we leave. But God's given us a gift to fight this battle, to win this battle. And here's what I know, because I want to give you some hope today if you're facing these things. Thieves don't break in to empty homes. If you feel like you are being attacked and overwhelmed by the enemy this morning, thieves don't break in to homes that have no value. Take that as encouragement today that you must have some sort of value. You have some sort of purpose, some sort of greater cause calling in your life that God is calling you to that the enemy wants to attack and stop. There's hope today. And God's given us a gift, these shoes of peace. Put on the shoes of peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. These shoes that they would put on, the, the soldiers would put on, they're called kaliga, and they are half boot, half sandals. They got cleats on the bottom. So they could go over tough terrain, but they could have stability and firm footing as they are fighting this battle. And when it comes to the word peace, there's a couple things to think about. One is peace with God. This peace, the shoes of peace that come with the good, of new, good news of the gospel. It is, we want peace with God, and that's where it starts. I would, it would be a great tragedy for me to go through this morning and not tell you what the peace with God is about. I mean, because that's if you don't have peace with God, you won't get the next thing, which is the peace of God, which is what, we, what we're really wanting today. But, but Scripture says when you are one degree off, when you have just one sin in your life, that you are eternally separated from, from God. 
And you may be saying, well, my sin, I'm not like that bad as, as that person over there. I, I, you know, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't done anything that bad. But we're not comparing our sin to other people on the physical side. We compare our sin to a perfect creator who is holy, who cannot be a part of sin. So one sin puts us at an eternal separation. And Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, he came and created an opportunity through his death and resurrection that paid for our sin, something that we could not do. The Bible says in our sin we were considered enemies at war with God. But in Christ we are now what? As Rita said earlier, we are now his sons and his daughters. That you, you have peace with God and that cannot be taken from you. When you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you turn from your sins and you put your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. That right there gives you peace with God. It happens at salvation. And it's not going away. That right there is your foundation for peace. But I guarantee you, a lot of us in here, we're like, okay, I got the peace of God. And I'm so grateful and thankful for that. But Mike, I need the peace of God right now. And that's the other piece that I really want to talk about today. Because that's, I know that's me. I have unpeaceful situations all around me. I want the peace of God. How do I get that? He has given us, he has given us the shoes of peace. Jesus says this in John 14. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. It's not physical. So don't be troubled or afraid. It's a gift. Just like spiritual gifts, the Holy Spirit says, Hey, I've given you gifts. But if you don't receive them, if you don't open them, the gift just remains in its package. So we've got to unpack this thing. And our goal today is when, when instability abounds... When instability abounds in our lives, that inner stability would rise up. When instability abounds, our goal is that instability, or inner stability, would arise. Imagine, imagine if peace ruled in your situation, whatever that is for you. Imagine if peace ruled. I know in prepping this message, I, would get, I get up early in the morning around 5.30 or so, and sometimes I'm working on the message. And, and I don't know, for some reason, our two-year-old thinks 5.30 is a great time to get up in the morning right now, 6 o'clock. So I'm trying to work on a message on peace, and I'm like, no, this is my time. This is my time to work on this message. There's no peace here, and I'm wanting to go. Imagine if peace ruled. I would be more loving. I would be more patient. I would live more on purpose. I would sleep better. I'd have better focus. I'd have better relationships. God wants you to open up this Gift, peace, the peace of God. How? There's another scripture that tells us how. It's found in Philippians chapter 4. Paul, who wrote Ephesians, also wrote Philippians. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Now, time out. Don't be anxious about anything. I can think of like a hundred things just this morning that can cause anxiety in my life. I mean, just the fact that I'm doing public speaking and, and I know it's my job, but what? That's enough right there to give me anxiety. Don't be anxious about anything. Okay. If you are feeling anxiety, let me just say this. Don't guilt yourself when you read this. Oh, well, I, I'm worried or I have this anxiety. It does not make you ungodly, because we are all going to experience anxiety at some point in our, in our time. Okay, It does not make you ungodly. It just makes you human. 
So what he's going to give us here is when you have worry, when you have anxiety, don't guilt yourself over it. It's like, hey, it's like for Christians to say, hey, don't be angry. No, you can be angry. It is what do you do with it? What do you do with that anger? What do you do with that anxiety? He's going to tell you. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Only in Christ Jesus. So if we want the peace of God, there's two components. You've got to put them together. One, thanksgiving plus gratitude equals peace. Trust plus thanksgiving, I, I messed that up. Trust plus thanksgiving equals peace. When anxiety comes, in everything, prayer. What is prayer? It is communication with God. But at the same time, at, at its base level, it is saying, God, I can't. I can't. Whatever the situation is, God, I can't do it. You can. I'm trusting you. When you pray to God and you're crying out to God, it is, it is trust. You're saying, I can't. And I'm trusting that you can. In every situation, trust. Every situation, every story you read in Scripture is someone dealing with this tension. A conflict, an anxiety, a stressor, overwhelming situation. Their life is on the line. What are you going to do? And you see people either put their trust in God or they don't. In every situation, they either trust God or they don't. We celebrate the ones that we do and we try to learn our best from the ones who do not. Trust has to be there. But if you just put in trust... You're not going to have that peace of God. Because it says, prayer, in every situation, prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Gratitude is a requirement to receive the peace of God. You can be grateful no matter what. Even in the worst of circumstances, could you still be grateful? Do you have things that you're grateful for today? Like, we're here today. We woke up today. We have breath today. We have, we have shelter. We have provision. God has given us more than enough. And if you weren't here on week one when we talked about who has it better than us, who has it better than us? Nobody. Read, read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, and you will see that you have an inheritance. You are adopted. That God loves you more. That He values more. That He saved you. That we've got grace. Like, it's just unending what God has given to us. I know for Rita and I, even to, to this day, we have to fight this battle. Human, our human brains are just naturally go to the negative. And Rita and I, when we find ourselves going in this negative thing, like I talk about how much I love the church, and I do, I love this church. But, but we'll get home sometimes and we're like, oh, well, maybe this could have been better, or this could have been better, and we could have tweaked this, and did you see this, or whatever. And we will just stop right there. And we will say, we are going to say things that we are so grateful for, for this church. And we will go back and forth and trade turns until that negativity is gone and out. Because we know that is not from God. 
that that, that sort of thought pattern and, and activity is, is, is from the enemy. We used to do it when we worked with teenagers in the, in, in the youth group. You get a teenager who's on a roll, who's like bashing somebody or whatever, we would make them stop. And, and the, th the thing was that we were known for was 10 positives. And the kids started to pick up on it because they were like, hey, you better not talk like that because Mike and Rita are going to make you stop and do 10 positives. If you say something negative about that person, they're going to make you stop and say 10 positives about that person, about how awesome they are. And it was just a, a mind trick <laughs> to start, start changing, changing things um, on how we were thinking about things, to be grateful. With God, he does something different. In our household, and in your household, I'm sure it's probably the same when we're, when we're teaching our kids. Typically, if, the, if our children want something, they say, please, and then what? Thank you. Please and thank you. God's kind of confusing. Because I don't know if, if you saw this or not. But he reverses that order. When it comes to our Heavenly Father, he says, you say thank you. And then you say please. Trust plus gratitude equals peace. In, in, in Psalm 100, verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. This is a great, this is a great verse that we like to open up worship with. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Awesome verse. But you don't, you, you, we forget that verse 3 right ahead of it says this. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. We are his sheep. Enter his courts into, enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Don't miss this. Why were the sheep going into the temple courts. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. The sheep were entering into the temple courts to die. But they were entering in with thanksgiving and praise. Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, if you really truly want to be a disciple, you will take up your cross and follow me. You will trust me. And you will die to yourself. You will let me live through you. When you see that everything you have comes from God in the first place, you will trust him, but you also have that gratitude in your life. A few things about gratitude that I want to help us with. How can, we, how can we work on this gratitude in our life? One is, gratitude is never invisible or silent. Gratitude is never invisible or silent. You want to know how I know this? I grew up watching Oprah. You ever see the Oprah Christmas show? Or now it's, she's not on, so it's Ellen. When they give away stuff, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. And what are people doing in the audience? They are freaking out. They are high-fiving, chest-bumping, rolling on the floor. They're, they're, they're crying, going crazy. Why? Because they are showing how grateful they are for being in that audience. And we would all be doing the same thing. Don't judge them. We would all be going crazy and going nuts. But here's, here's what, all of those prizes within five years are going to be obsolete. But the point is, the point is, they were grateful, they had gratitude, and it was not silent, and it was not invisible. You saw it. 
And for a lot of us, sometimes we might get in this mode of like, well, they know I'm grateful, or God knows I'm grateful. You know, I'm, I'm grateful in my heart. I don't know that. I can't see that. I can't hear that. Jesus said this. He said, he said in, in, Luke, um, in, in Luke chapter 6, he says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. So if you're really, truly grateful for in your heart for what God has done for you, Jesus says, you're going to tell people about it. You will not be silent about it. What you speak about is what you are grateful for. So you just know, just know, whatever you're grateful for, it is never invisible or silent. Gratitude ends where your sense of entitlement begins. Gratitude ends where your sense of entitlement begins. I guarantee you, nobody in here, when you sent your tax check to the IRS, wrote them a thank you note to say, hey, thank you for taking my taxes, for taking my money. No, why? Because that was my money that I'm now giving to the government. You're not grateful for things that you feel entitled to. When you got, when you got the call for the job that says, hey, we would like to have an interview with you. You're like, really? I got an interview? Great. And then you get the call or the email that says, you're hired. Awesome. And then you show up that first day and you're like, I can't believe I get to work in this place. This is so great. And then you get the paycheck. And now you're like, what? This stupid job. I hate it. These people drive me nuts. Or when, when you saw her and you said hello and she looked back and, and she said hello. And then, and then you started talking to her and you're like, I kind of like you. And she said, I kind of like you back. And your, your heart skips a beat when you get down on, on, on one knee and say, will you marry me? And she says, yes. And you say, I do. And you, you wake up like... How, how much joy, how much gratitude. You're like, I'll do anything. I will go anywhere. We'll do anything. And now, you're mad when he doesn't load the dishwasher. You're like, well, he should load the dishwasher. And then when he does load the dishwasher, what? You're mad because he didn't do it right. That's like, he can't win. It's twisted. So confusing. Anyone going to amen that? I don't know. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Gratitude ends where our sense of entitlement begins. And we've got to recognize that the longer time goes, the more something con is constant in our lives, that sense of entitlement seems to grow. When you, when you started that relationship with God, and you knew how jacked up you were, and how much sin, and how much you didn't deserve any of it, and you're like, He knows me. And he knows all my faults. He knows how far I've wandered. He knows my thoughts. He knows my actions. Yet he still loves me. And not only that, not only that, he has a plan and a purpose. Like I actually get to serve and participate in this. Gratitude. Gratitude. Grateful people can find a blessing, enlarge a blessing, or create a blessing in almost any situation. Grateful people can find a blessing, enlarge a blessing, or create a blessing in almost any situation. 
Paul, who wrote this, he was in, in prison. Acts chapter 16, he was in prison, him and Silas, for, for being on God's team, for sharing the gospel, thrown in jail. Unpeaceful circumstances. You would think, hey man, I'm on your team, God. I'm trying to serve you and I'm in prison. No way. I'm out. Too much. No thank you. I'll, I'll go on and be with my family. It says around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Grateful people can find a blessing, enlarge a blessing, or create a blessing in almost any situation. People got saved that night because they were grateful. I know I complain when the line's long at Starbucks. This is why, this is why people can, with so much less than us, are appreciating things so much more is because of their gratitude. Because of their gratitude. I know for me as a dad, I struggle with this. Remember, it'd be, we'd be up in the middle of the night and the boys need a diaper change or they're needing a, you know, when they're infants and they just need to be taken care of and you're not getting any sleep and you're kind of like crying out to God, God, what, what is going on? Like, why, why are we going through this? This is so hard. And it seems like it's not going to end and there's all these pressures and all this stuff and, and, and God just kind of gently whispers, you prayed, you prayed for this kid. You prayed for this. There's people who you know, Mike, who would love this opportunity, who are begging God for a chance to have a kid and they can't and they would love it. He says it in a loving way, but to show me, hey, Mike, be grateful. Be, be grateful. Yes, it's tough. Yes, it's tough, but if you want the peace of God, gratitude has got to be in there. We have a choice. We have a choice in any situation. Bitterness, rage, anger, complain, or joy, peace, patience, trust, plus gratitude equals peace. Put on the shoes of peace. These, these shoes had cleats on them. These shoes had, 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 had spikes on the bottom so they could fight and have stability as they were fighting, have a firm footing. But if you were here, if you weren't here last week or you were here, we talked about the belt of truth, which the actual Greek says, gird your loins. And gird your loins means you are going to tuck up your tunic and tuck it into your belt, which means you're going to have like this, this uh, half skirt for these soldiers. But what that was going to do was give them freedom to move because they were about ready to embark on a fight, that they were going to have some heavy activity that they were going to go on. These shoes that we're putting on with spikes, these are not your dress shoes for vacation. These are not flip-flops. These are shoes that are meant to move forward that are meant to be active and gain ground. This is not a defensive posture we are taking as putting on this body armor of God, but it is an offensive one. It is an offensive one. And think about this. When you step, when you step with cleats, it makes a sound, right? Everybody here on the count of three, can you just humor me here? On the count of three, let's stomp one foot. One, two, three. A lot louder. A lot louder. When you take a step, it makes a noise. When a bunch of people are taking their next steps together, it sends a louder noise. This is an offensive position of shoes in motion, and it sends a signal to the enemy 
that says, hey, I don't care what you've sent my way. I'm not backing down. I'm standing stronger and I'm moving forward. That's an intimidation factor that the Roman army would have when they're marching into enemy territory because they would hear those cleats coming on the road. It sends a signal to the enemy. I don't care what situation you're coming. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to have gratitude in my life. And we are going to move forward regardless. It may not change the situation, but it will change my perspective. And God's going to move in that situation. It says, it says uh, in, in Isaiah 52, 7, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that God of Israel reigns. You can have peace in your circumstances and pronounce freedom and pronounce peace over your finances, over your marriage, over your relationships, whatever is causing instability in your life. If you can't thank God for what's happening around, around you, you can thank Him for what He's doing inside of you. This is spiritual warfare. This is spiritual warfare. And the truth of it is, and I'm going to end with this, the truth of it is, God can take any of those things, those pains, those hurts, those regrets, whatever that overwhelming circumstances is in your life, and, and more times than not, whatever is causing that dysfunction, God wants to use that to, for your destiny. He wants to turn that over, whatever that mess is, He wants it to be a miracle. And, and I'm not saying that just for hype. I look no further than the cross. The greatest trage- tragedy in human history, humanity killing God. But even God said, hey, you can't stop me. I planned that one from the beginning. And that, what, what looks like humanity killing God, the greatest tragedy, was actually the greatest event in human history because it's what got us salvation. It's what got, earned us peace with God in the first place. And that's why I have hope. That's why you can have hope in any situation. So with that in mind, let's stand. Let's stand. We're going to sing our closing song.